Hello, you're listening to the Sydney Writers Centre podcast on writers and writing. My name is Valerie Koo, and you can find us online at sydneywriterscentre.com.au. We're Australia's leading writing centre, and you'll find a wealth of resources on our website and blog, including interviews with authors, writing tips, and valuable ideas on how to get published. Whether you're interested in writing a novel, short story, or articles for magazines, you'll find information and courses to help you get there. Or if you want to hone your business writing skills, we can help you too. Our presenters are the best in the industry. We hope you enjoy today's podcast. Michelle Bridges is a trainer and fitness instructor. As an international master trainer, she has many years' experience training other fitness instructors all over the world. She's competed in figure shaping competitions and in 2004 was named the Fitness Leader of the Year. Since 2006, she has been the red team trainer on Channel 10's The Biggest Loser. Michelle strongly believes that we can all overcome our weight and health problems with exercise and nutrition. She travels the country visiting corporations and schools in a bid to educate more people about the value of a healthy lifestyle. She's been writing regular columns on health, nutrition and fitness for a number of national newspapers and magazines since 2001 and has recently released Crunch Time through Penguin Books, a guide to healthy eating and exercise. In a bid to help Australia overcome its status as one of the world's fattest nations, Michelle has written this book which includes recipes and an exercise program and also tackles common diet myths and how to keep motivated. Thanks for joining us today, Michelle. Thanks for having me. Now, tell us how you got into the fitness industry in the first place. What was it that appealed to you? Oh, look, I've been in the fitness industry all my life, just about, and I think it really stemmed from a very young age where I was involved in sport, and and that really started, oh gosh, probably six or seven years of age. And when I'm speaking to to people out on the road and, and I go out and do a lot of guest speaking, I always say, you know, if you're a parent, getting your children into some form of sport, some form of activity can really set up a very good road to success in the long term. Great. And you've written the book Crunch Time. When did that idea come into your head that you wanted to write a book and and how long did it take you? Well, it's funny, you know, because I was sort of, I had been toying with the idea of doing a book and and I always said to myself, I mean, do we really need another fitness book? You know, there's so many out there. And then I thought, well, there's always a lot of cookbooks coming out. There's there's stacks of them, you know, so obviously there's interest and people are, you know, interested in new new styles of cooking. So why wouldn't they be interested in maybe new styles of of training and particularly the style that I use? So that had always been in the back of my mind. But I realized that I probably had to have something that was unique and, and a different angle mm. and my own personal style stamped on it as well. And to be very honest with you, it was one night in a little restaurant called Cafe Kachina in Melbourne. I was having dinner with my husband and I said to him, I really want to do this book now. I've been throwing the idea around for so long. Mm. Um, and that's when I decided that I would come up with the idea of get the weight off as fast as you can and get on with your life because that's really what I believe in. And and no one in my industry has ever said that. Everyone in my industry, including myself, has always said do it slowly, little by little, don't worry if you put a bit back on, mm. just, you know, gradually take your time. And I was, I came up with the, the ideas of, you know, for every 
you know, a, a lot of people would say, oh, that if they lose the weight too quickly, they'll put it back on quickly. And I thought, you know what? For every one person that's lost weight fast and put it back on fast, there's five people out there that have lost it slowly and put it back on fast. Mm. So, you know, the speed to which you lose it, I believe, has got nothing to do with it. It's like get the weight off and be motivated by that and be motivated by the, the fact that people are coming up to you and saying, wow, you look fantastic. What have you been doing? Mm. That spurs people on. That motivates people. So I thought, this is the angle I'm going to take. I'm going to take the angle of get the bloody weight off as quickly as you can and get on with your life. Mm. And obviously that's been really appealing to people because the book was released in February 2009. It's done extremely well so far. Now, how long a gestation period was it? Like when was that dinner at Cafe Cucina? And, and how long did it take for you to then produce the book? Uh, it was about 18 months in right. total, which is really quick. Mm-hmm. Um, but, of course, once I got going, I, I, it was everything that I've always talked about in, in my general conversation with my friends and my husband. We're constantly talking about, you know, training, food, weight loss, obesity, constantly having debates, you know, with with my friends and colleagues and, and particularly my husband, we would you know, discuss things. And, and I guess all of that had always been in my mind. And so when I started writing, it just poured out of me. <laughs> once, I got my, once I got on my soapbox, I was off. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. initially it was a bit daunting just to think, okay, what angle am I going to take? But once I got that formulated, I had, you know, so much so much material from years and years and years of working in the industry. Mm. So I guess the angle is important. You need to get your idea. You need to get your unique standpoint. Mm. And then once you've got that, then you can really tap into everything that you know. And that depends. It doesn't... It, it really doesn't matter what it is. You know, you could be a carpenter. You could be a hairdresser. You mm. could be a makeup artist. But once you've got your unique standpoint... And you can formulate all your ideas from that. Mm. And, I mean, it's a very, writing is a very time-consuming and laborious process. So you had to fit it in with all this other stuff that you do in terms of fitness and on television and all the rest of it. What did you do in terms of making it a bit of a discipline so you actually got it out? Oh, my gosh. It was probably one of the hardest things I've ever done. Really? It really was, I've got to say. And because also once... I sort of started putting it together, putting the framework of it together, and we were talking to various publishers. And so once we spoke with Penguin and they said, we want it, Mm. then it was like, okay, let's go. You know, so I'd I'd sort of slowly, but little by little, put the framework together. And then, of course, when we got the green light, it was, oh, I've actually got to finish this now. (laughs) So that was really daunting and demanding. Uh, I was in what I call the off-season of the show because the show we film basically for six months. So mm. there's, you know, roughly five months that I had in off-season and I literally had to stop everything, you know, like from family and friends to... Um, I wasn't teaching any classes because I do that a little bit. I, I do a little bit of personal training as well. This is all in the off-season. That all had to stop um, and I was just lucky to be able to get my own training in. Virtually, um, it would be all day in the, in my office in front of the computer. But my one saving grace, 
that I would never have been able to get this book done if it wasn't for is my husband. Right. Why? How <laughs> so did he support you? We worked as a team. So he he um, wasn't working at the time, and we decided that he was going to finish his job, and we were going to nail nail down and do this together. So it was it was the only way I could get it done. So basically, we joke about the fact that he um, he came in and. I would write and he would come in and take out all the swear words and fix up all the spelling mistakes. <laughs> we joke about that. But, I mean, in one way that is true. <laughs> but in another way, um, he was he's very good at grammar. He's really smart when it comes to, to putting constructing of sentences. So I was like just banging out everything that I had to say. And then he would come in and go, you know, what about trying it this way? Or have you thought about using that? Or, and, and, of course, also he was really really instrumental in helping with the um, the cooking aspect of things because by the, the stage we were getting close to the end of the book, which is all about um, cooking, mm-hmm. Get Cooking is, called, is the chapter, mm-hmm. I was back on season three, Biggest Loser, right. and uh, back at work. So he was actually cooking the meals and then I would come home at night and we would eat them for dinner. Wow. So we, we really worked as a team and it would never have been as quick as it was. The turnaround was very quick just because Penguin wanted it to come out with the launch of the next series. Yeah. So without him, it would never have happened. So I was very, very fortunate there. Great team. So in terms of writing the book, you see, we see you on The Biggest Loser and we can see, we can actually see how you motivate people and inspire people. But you're there, you're physically there talking to them. How hard was that to convey into the written word because um you know i assume that you want to motivate and inspire people with a book as well yeah i mean look definitely and i think that one of the best um pieces of feedback that i've had from people who've read the book is that they say you speak in the book exactly the way you would talk to me right now and 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 that i really kept it that way and penguin were very um positive about that as well because that's that's who i am i'm not and also, in fact, I, I laugh about the fact that I was down in Penguin offices one day and someone there said something about the author and I thought, oh, that's me. <laughs> I was looking behind me thinking, oh, who's that? Oh, actually, that's right. That, they're talking about me. Um, because I'm not, I wouldn't call myself an author. I was just someone who who wanted to put together the information that she had in her head and put it on 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 paper. So when I started writing it, I was writing it exactly how I would talk. And I think that that, basically has been instrumental in allowing people to sort of almost feel as though they've got me there as their own personal trainer. Mm. Like I talk to them like, come on, girlfriend, get off the couch and let's get going. You know, exactly what I would say in real life. Mm, mm. I guess you would call it, you know, I guess colloquial or just just keeping it real. Sure. So it's now in its second reprint after only a couple of months on the shelves. Did you How expect... hilarious is that? Can you believe it? <laughs> It went into the first reprint. It went into the first reprint after ten days. Oh my god! And then into the second, I think after a month. So we're very, very happy with that. Did that surprise you? Was that a shock? Or did you expect it? What? I wasn't expecting that. I was hoping that it would do well. Mm. I was hoping that it would do well, um, but I was not prepared for that at all. It took us by surprise, and I think. It took Penguin a bit by surprise, <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> which is great. You know, it's great. I, I just it, what blows me away is that I I was at a book signing on the weekend actually in Newcastle, mm-hmm. and um, you know people are using my language like there's 
parts in my book that I speak about regarding positive language and the power of language and and uh, and they, they're actually using my words in, in their sentences and wow. I'm thinking, wow, that's really awesome. Mm, mm. Does this mean you're planning other books? Mm. It does actually. In fact, I'm, I'm just about, well, I'm in the middle of starting my second book now. We're doing it actually, but just before you rang, mm-hmm. I'm putting together some recipes so, uh, for it. So, yeah, we're in the second one now. Can you believe it? And what's, it again. what's that going to be about? What's, yeah, what's well, the this is about? more about, this is more about uh, nutrition, mm-hmm. um, diet, and then I'm complementing that with, with some exercise and threading through the whole book will be my get real or, or philosophy. So it's kind of got a taste of crunch time to it, but it's, I guess you could say it's almost crunch time back to front. Right. With crunch time, I talk about getting your head right, then I talk about the exercise programs, and then I go into nutrition where it's going to be, I guess it's back to front. And because a lot of people really want to know more about the food because ultimately it's the food that makes the most difference when it comes to weight loss or weight maintenance. So, yeah, it's kind of, I guess the best way to describe it is crunch time back to front. Cool. Um, now, you're not new to writing in that you've written for, you know, magazines and some newspapers, and you certainly did that before you started on The Biggest Loser. Your website says that you, it describes you as badgering newspapers and magazines to publish your articles. What's that about? Why were you badgering them? Uh, because you've got to. Like, if you want to get it out there, you've got to, like, basically not only offer it for free, but almost offer them money to put it in there. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, I had to really push to get those uh, articles out. But and, why um, did you want to get those articles out? Because I really believe I had something to say. You know, mm-hmm. I've been doing what I do for so long and had good success at it as well and just felt it was important to get that message out. I also, I also um, felt that it was part of having good credibility to mm. get some articles printed. You know, that gives you some street cred. Mm. And, uh, and and if, you know, they're successful, then that can only sort of build onto another one, onto another one. So I was really trying to get – I was trying to lay down some foundations of, of credibility, but mm. also had felt that I had a very important message to put out there. And I I know I thought I, thought I did right okay. I, I, I like a style that – is very like the person's talking to you, mm. and that's how I like to write. Mm. So it appeals to me. So I thought, well, maybe it might appeal to some other people as well. <laughs> sure. And was the grand master plan always to, you know, build that foundation to to have a national profile as an expert in the fitness industry? What was the grand master plan? <laughs> yeah, no, it absolutely was, and I'll tell you why. Because in my industry, I was looking around and thinking, well. Where is there to go? Like, I, I don't want to just be a personal trainer forever, and I'm not saying that's not a bad thing to do because I absolutely love it, mm. but I want to do more things. And I was looking around and I was like, well, what else is there for me to do? I could own my own health club, but these days that's pretty tough. My husband and I have done it in the past, and, you know, it's not something that you take on lightly. Mm. Um, and, and where else is there to go? So I, I thought to myself, well, I'm going to start trailblazing. I'm going to start doing some some things that no one's really done before and, and try to open up some doors and open up some new opportunities. Mm. And certainly there have been other fitness professionals that have gone before me, mm. but I don't think the timing was right. right. And I think that I've been lucky 
I've, I've been, my success has been based on knowing what I'm talking about and, and really being good at what I do, but also it's been um, timing. You know, then they say that timing is, is everything and, and I think that, that right now um, people are so interested in, in it because you know, we, we have such a problem with obesity and, and health issues. So I think the timing has certainly been on my side. What motivates you to be so passionate about um, helping people in terms of their fitness? Because I see what happens on the other side of it. I see people who are unhappy, uh, low self-esteem, low confidence, and and that's just the that's the emotional side of things. You know, not even talking about the health implications as well: mm. high blood pressure, um, type two diabetes, all those sorts of things. Um, I see what happens on the other side of that. It's just incredible. You watch people completely transform themselves and transform their lives, and that confidence and self-belief spills over into every facet of their life. Mm. So not only do they feel you know, amazing about themselves, but that starts to translate into other aspects of their life. And so it really, it's really quite powerful to watch someone completely turn their life around in every aspect. Mm. Because it all starts from within, you know. So, you know, mind, body and spirit, it all comes together. When they start feeling good about themselves physically, they start feeling good about themselves mentally, then that just truly translates into every aspect of their life. Mm. So when I see that sort of stuff, I think, wow, that's pretty cool. The The more I can get that out to other people, the better, I think must be very rewarding to be able to see that transformation in other people and incorporate that in your career as well. Yeah, I just, I, I couldn't work for another job. It's pretty mm. cool, you know, like to watch people really become positive. They do a complete 180, you know, they're mm. negative, they um, don't like themselves, in fact, they hate themselves, they're self-loathing, and that, of course... As, as I was saying before, that stuff translates to other aspects of life mm. as well. So you can't tell me that their family and friends aren't feeling that also. Mm. And, you know, to watch that completely turn around just because they're shifting the, the way that they think about themselves and they're shifting the way that they feel about themselves and, of course, they're shifting their fitness levels too. Mm. It, 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 it's incredible to watch the, the journey of some people when that, when that really goes down. And I've seen it in, in my personal training clients and, of course, you see it on a massive level with the show. Oh, yeah. And, you know, the, 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 the other thing that um, I, I guess when, it, when I started writing my book was... At the beginning, in the early days of, the, of when we were doing the show, there were some detractors. There were some people saying, oh, you know, it can't be good for them losing this much weight this quickly, yada, yada. And I was constantly going into battle for it, not only because I could see the differences in the numbers insofar as blood pressure, cholesterol, etc., but I could also see the differences in the people. And I thought, I don't want other people trivialising what these people are doing. You know, they're absolutely amazing at what they do. You know, Mm. they get in there every day, they do hard training sessions, they turn their their diet completely around. Um, There's a lot of sacrifice that that goes into it. Mm. And I didn't want to see that being trivialised. But the other thing that you can't can't ignore is the numbers. 
you know, we had people's blood pressure completely dropping. In, in one instance, we've had a guy who's been on blood pressure tablets for 15 years mm. and now no longer needs to take that medication. Yeah. I mean, that is huge. Mm. That's extending his life by 10 to 15 years. Mm. We've had type 2 diabetes, that you know, severe type 2 diabetes that now no longer are on medication and now are no longer a diabetic. Um, you know, they, these are sorts of numbers you just you can't ignore. You can't turn your back on those sorts of numbers because that truly is extending a person's life. Mm. And to you, who has been one of the most inspirational Biggest Loser contestants that you've seen so far? Oh, look, I, they, they all are. They've all got their own amazing stories. But when you come to truly seeing someone standing um, the length of their life. Mm. Uh, last year, we had a gentleman who, by the name of John, who was um, who had a severe heart condition, mm-hmm. and you know was basically told that he was a walking time bomb. I mean, mm. he, this man was still able to lose weight. He was only allowed to walk mm. by just changing his diet and, and get, implementing a little bit of light activity. We still had him losing, you know, 10, 20, 30 kilos by the end of the show. Mm. Um, we had another gentleman last year, Sean, who was a chronic diabetic type 2, mm. completely turned his life around, lost stacks of weight, now no longer a diabetic. Like those, those things amaze me. Mm. And, of course, watching mums, seeing mums who have mm. given their life to everyone except themselves, and they're a bit resentful about it too, mm. um, suddenly taking back control taking back their life, mm. um, they're feeling sexy again, feeling worthy again. I mean, their family can only thrive by having a mother who's energised and confident. Mm. So it really translates into everybody's life. Now, you, with your book and the show and the second book and all of that, I can see definitely the foundations of the Michelle Bridges Empire Building. So, <laughs> so have you always had a business brain? Have you, you know, had an entrepreneurial bent like this, you know, in the past? I, I, I really wouldn't ever see it in, like that because, right. I just, you know, I'm... I'm, I'm uh, Living it from this side of the driver's seat, if you like, if you so speak. But my mum seems to think that I have. My mum always said that I was very um, out there and into it, and I had a job from the age of you know, 12 or 13. And, yeah. and at one stage, she said that I was working for a chemist and out on the front lawn selling barbecues for this chemist and doing all sorts of crazy things, like, you know, at the age of 13 and 14. So <laughs> I guess I've always had that drive in there, but it really. I don't think it really sparked until I discovered that I was able to have a have a, a full-time job in an industry that I loved. And mm. that when that really clicked, when I realized that I could work in the fitness industry full-time, I think that's when it really started to, to come to the fore. Mm. So you're on this next book, which is about um, fitness and nutrition, as you said, but is there anything else you're yearning to write about, something not about health and fitness at all? Well, I've thought about, um, I'd like to put together a book for teenage girls. Right. Um, so yeah, uh, that's been in the back of my mind. Only, and the main reason for that is that I'm, you know, I, I completely remember my teenage years. Yeah. <laughs> and having being someone who moved from school to school, um, I, I was an easy target for bullying because I was always the new kid on the block. Right. And I've got some pretty strong opinions about it. So 
in, that's something that's in the back of my mind. And I've sort of talked about it with my husband and I've even talked about it with my publisher. So you never know, that could, um, that could happen. But that will be a pretty big, hard task, I think. So I might have to leave that for a little while. Sure. And apart from books, what is in the future in the next couple of years for you? What are your um, plans or what would you like to do? Renovate my house. Oh, right. (laughs) (laughs) That's my number one goal outside of fitness. Get my house finished. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I thought you were expecting that, were you? (laughs) (laughs) I might even write a book on that. (laughs) (laughs) It'll probably sell really well. (laughs) I I joked to my husband, I said, you know, the only reason I'm writing this book is hopefully that I'll make enough money they'll be able to actually finish my bathroom. The only thing I want is a new bathroom. Oh, and anyone that's living in an old bathroom would be shaking their head in, and or nodding their head and agreeing with me. It's terrible. <laughs> now, when you do write nonfiction as you do, it's obviously crucial that you know your subject. So what would your advice be for other experts who, you know, see your book and think, you know, I'd like to do something similar, but obviously in my industry? You need to have a unique angle. Mm. I think that's probably the most important thing is that, you know, there's, there's lots of books out there, but you need to have your own unique viewpoint and stand on, on the, um, the topic. And I think it doesn't hurt to be a little bit controversial, only, though, if it fits with, with your message, mm-hmm. which is, you know, mine was a little bit controversial or is a little bit controversial. Mm. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Uh, I, I think that, you know, it's good to have people debating. It's good to have people talking whether it be good or bad, at least people are talking about it. You know, at least people are discussing it, putting the issue on the table. So I think, that, number one, you definitely have to ha- have to have a unique viewpoint mm. with your name stamped on that. Mm. And a little bit of controversy, controversy doesn't hurt either. Sure. And for those people who don't have a husband who has great grammar and <laughs> to work with yeah, them no. <laughs> as a team... <laughs> What would your advice be to them? Like, what would you have done if, if he wasn't there as a resource and support? Oh, look, I would have got through, but it just probably wouldn't have been as fast-tracked as it was. So, I mean, I was under the pump because we needed to have the, the book out on the shelves by a certain date. Yeah. Uh, and I think that that also helps because I think if you didn't have that hanging over your head that you could get a bit lax. Um, but in saying that, I think you need to really sort of set down some very basic ground rules on I will be in my office behind my computer mm. from 9 to 5 and mm. I'll give myself an hour off to go and do a run and have a bite to eat and get back to it. Mm. Um, but you definitely need to get away. But at the same time, you've got to set down some ground rules and, and try to get that work completed because I think... It, it's very easy to just keep blowing it off and keep blowing it off. And I, I was in a fortunate enough position where I was in my off-season mm. and was able to dedicate almost a full working day to writing. But if you're not in that position, then you need to at least find that time in your schedule where you can dedicate you know, at least an hour or two a day. Perfect. Great advice. And on that note, thank you very much for your time, Michelle. You're more than welcome. Good luck, everyone out there writing. Get into it. (laughs) 
You've been listening to the Sydney Writers' Centre podcast on writers and writing. My name's Valerie Koo. You can find us online, including details about our courses, seminars and online learning, as well as information on our regular competitions where you can win books, movie tickets and literary experiences at www.sydneywriterscentre.com.au or visit me on my personal website, www.sydneywriterscentre.com.au ValerieKoo.com. That's ValerieKoo, K-H-O-O.com. Thank you for listening.